Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. Formula Scout is home to news, features and podcasts from the world of junior single-seater racing, tracking the progress of future Grand Prix stars. I'm Craig Willard and I'm joined today by Bethany Waring and Joshua Satil as we discuss um, well, pretty much everything. Uh, we, we covered over a dozen series in the championships uh, over the past few days. As a lot of categories uh, found themselves getting back underway after the coronavirus pandemic, and uh, plenty more series continue to um, carry their seasons on. So we're going to start off with Formula Two and Formula uh, FI Formula Three um, because I feel there are quite a lot of talking points from from those in particular. And interestingly, two of Formula Two's bad boys, if you will, took, uh, took the victories in. In Formula Two this weekend, Nikita Mazepin for high tech <clears throat> and Dan Tickton for dams. Uh, it's both of their first victories at this level, and both have got um, interesting pasts to say the least that they want to uh, sweep under the rug, definitely. So, I, I want to bring Josh in here and ask the question Do we think that these two drivers in particular are starting to, you know, brush off their? interesting uh reputation if you will uh and and start to portray themselves in a better light yeah i mean that is the key question isn't it uh you know the the term roller coaster career is often battered around but i think it applies very well to these two uh take you know nikita mazepin uh feature race winner you know he uh got a race ban in the first of two middling years in, in formula three for punching callum Eilot. Um, he then was a, a shock runner-up to, to Hubert in GP3, kind of out of nowhere. Also, at the same time, teammates of Eilat and, and beat, him there, uh, beat him on the track. Um, and then had an awful year in, in Formula 2 last year. I think it's fair to say. I think he was 18th while his teammate romped to the title. He rocks up this year with series debutants, you know, high-tech Grand Prix, and it's not looking too good at the start. They look a bit of a mess. Uh, they couldn't even get to the sort of the start of some sessions. Um, and then suddenly, you know, last weekend it started to come together in Hungary and, and this weekend in Silverstone, a fantastic drive. I mean, you know, this was incredible stuff from, from Mazepin. I mean, while his, his Hungary podium was a lot down to strategy, this was down to just a pure, you know, fantastic pace, fantastic performance, fantastic racecraft. He drove around the outside of Mick Schumacher at Stowe um, as if he wasn't even there. Uh, and then after that, he was just picking his way through the traffic uh, so, so well. Schumacher went backwards, Mazepin went forwards, and uh, to a thoroughly deserved win. So, yeah, to answer your question finally, um, it definitely is improving the reputation. We'll see if it's a flash in the pan um, for both Mazepin and Tictum. Um Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more impressed with Mazepin, to be honest, because we knew Tictum could do stuff like this. He's a two-time Macau Grand Prix winner. He was brilliant in Euro Formula 3. But Mazepin has showed... You know, occasional flashes of brilliance, but um, I don't think he's ever really showed anything like this, even even during GP3. So, yeah, really, really good stuff from Mazepin um, on Tictum. Great sprint race win, uh, but it is a reverse grid race. Um, you know, if he can't sort out his qualifying, can't sort out uh, his performances in the feature race, yeah, he, he will struggle this year. But, yeah, nice to see both these guys getting a win. Um, but it's going to take a lot more than this to... Uh, to make people forget about their past, that's for sure. Bethany, what do you think of everything? Um, TikTok could single-handedly bring world peace and people wouldn't forgive him for British Formula 4. He's just... I 
I I think TikTok's maybe not unfairly um, treated. He's got the bad boy reputation for a reason. But honestly, since um, the uh, I can't remember when it was now. Since the MSA formula incident, which was terrible and should not have happened for for sure. But since that incident, I don't think he's done that much. That's super bad. He got a lot of stick for um, saying what a lot of people were thinking about Schumacher suddenly being able to drive in FIA Formula 3 the year he won it. So, honestly, I think Tixon has... Obviously, his reputation's bad because he did what he did in Formula 4. Then he went up against Schumacher, who lots of people loved. And then he kind of just did nothing for last couple of years so i don't think a sprint race win in formula 2 as good is going to redeem tiktok i i think that's not my opinion on whether he should he should be redeemed i i just don't think he will be i i don't know <laughs> that as much about maze mazapin i think mazapin I, Josh said we knew Tickton can do good and we do know do, Tickton can do good but Maspin has had some flashes before so maybe it's not a huge surprise that he's doing well in the odd race I don't I don't see him coming and taking the championship but I'm not hugely surprised that he's done pretty well over the past couple of rounds mm. Uh, I, I think I'll chime in as well here because I, I, I know I've got a. You two know me quite well. I've got strong opinions on on a lot of things, and and this is something that I've got a strong opinion on as well. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I I definitely think that it's a, it's a very very important win for Tictum. Uh What he did uh, five years ago at Silverstone, funnily enough, was totally wrong, and he was absolutely right to have the book thrown at him for that. Uh, and to receive the ban and, and so forth. Does that mean that he should have never stepped into a racing car ever again afterwards? No, absolutely not. You know, a young young guy who made a mistake, and I, I do believe that people should be given second chances if they go and do something a little bit daft, which every now and again, everyone does. I mean, like, I'm not exactly the youngest person in the world, but I still do daft things after all. Um, so... I, I I don't believe that a single sprint race win from pole is going to totally redeem all all of the wrongs of the past and all of the the, the things that victims come under fire for saying on social media in in the past and how you know dismally his uh, stint with Red Bull went as well. That, that's my next question. I'm going to ask you um, is about that. But um, yeah, it's just. Every time we've been like really, really fortunate to be able to to ask questions to these drivers in, in the in the press conferences over the over the past few rounds. And whenever I've spoken to either Tictum or to Mazepin, that the way that they've conducted themselves has been very impressive. Um, I, I feel that that they've sat there and they've thought about the questions that've been asked, and they've really given themselves. Time to make sure they don't say uh, like 
particularly daft things. Uh, Mazepin was very, very open in saying that he lost a lot of confidence last year after what I, I thought was quite a surprisingly uh, miserable season with ART, considering he had uh, such such a good run with them in GP3. Um, but he, he said that he, he's come back, he, he's worked really, really hard with the team, and that the team has worked really, really hard with him. And, 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 you know, it's really, really starting to gel really nicely for them. Uh, for Tictum, it, it's sort of much of the same. Um, you know, he, he believes that Dams believes in him, uh, and that's very important. I believe Red Bull was perhaps not the correct environment for him at, at the time. And he's obviously moved on to Williams Driver Academy, um, which um, perhaps is a better environment for him to be in. So, so my next question to you both is uh, it's reflecting on a particular quote that Tictum said um, after a sprint race win. And it was after um, I asked him about the, the significance of that particular race victory. Uh, and he referenced, or he indirectly referenced Helmut Marco. Um, and uh, so the, the lack of faith that he had in Tictum. Uh, do we believe that, uh, that the results that Tictum is putting in, bear in mind that Dams does not look like a particularly strong package this year. Uh, do, we, do we believe that the results that Tictum is putting in is starting to prove someone like Helmut Marco wrong? And we'll start with Josh again on this one. Um, to be honest, no. Um, I don't think so, uh, personally, because I don't think he's a mega, mega talent that, you know, is going to be the one that got away and, and Red Bull in future years are going to be kicking themselves over, you know, how he left. Um, the way he conducted himself in Super Formula, you know, ended the relationship with Red Bull. Um, and we will never know kind of what happened there. But, um, you know, he, he yeah, he is talented, but I don't think uh, he can really complain too much um, considering how he's conducted himself. Um, the biggest mistake of Red Bull was the placing of him in Super Formula and the miserable Asian Formula 3 you know, series that they put him in over the winter. Uh, that was the error, really. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. Because it's ticked him, I don't feel the greatest amount of sympathy, whereas someone like Yuri Vips, I think, deserves a lot better. Um, for me, ticked him. Uh, yeah, they're not going to be kicking themselves in a few years' time. Uh, it, that relationship was just never going well, was it? Red Bull ticked them. Just mm, not a, a good partnership. Yeah, I'm I'm always very critical of the Red Bull Junior squad of dropping drivers uh, as soon as they score their first DNF. But I think they were quite patient with Tictum. Uh, like he joined them whilst pretty much whilst he was had his year out. So they put a lot of faith in him. And I do think he did um, He did return that on the track, especially in FIF3, the European F3, sorry, I keep calling it that. But last year, Tom's a very, what I call a Red Bull driver. He's feisty on track and they like a, they tend to like a bad boy off track as well. Not all their drivers are bad boys, obviously, but they do like the ones that can grab the headlines. And I just don't think that environment was right for Tickton whilst he's in such a um, he whilst he has such a villain um, role put on him by the fans. So that didn't. I don't think Tickton and Red Bull helped one another. I think last year was just completely stupid from Red Bull 
putting him where they did. They've not learned that le- their lesson this year, as I'm sure we will get to when we talk about Formula European Championship. But I, d- I don't think this is maybe saying, I don't think this is his way of saying that Marco was wrong. I think Marco was right. And it pains me to say that. Um, maybe not for the right reasons that he, he was right, but he was definitely right. It couldn't continue. And I think with Williams, he maybe even has a better chance of getting Formula One because they, he's not going to be put in a stupid... He's not going to put in a position where he can't get super license points from doing Asian Winter Series. He's not going to be um, put up against... A huge amount of drivers and I just think Williams is a much more nurturing environment for him um, it'll come down to money in the end I think with Tickton and with Williams and I if he can continue as he is um, he has a shot at Formula 1 still which even if he continued as he, as he is with Red Bull I don't think he'd have that shot mm-hmm and I do believe that Williams have already confirmed George Russell and Nicholas Latifi for 2021 as well. So that makes makes that slightly more challenging for, for Tickdom and, and for other Williams juniors. And I want to move on to an, another Williams junior that's in the, the Formula 2 field. Uh, that's Jack Aitken, who uh, is having a troubling time this year. Uh, he's someone that we rated very highly for his efforts last year. But for whatever reason in 2020, it just doesn't seem to be working out for him. And he's received a fair bit of stick on social media, I know, um, for uh, not 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 perhaps performing as people expected this year. He's a driver who's, who's been around in in this category for quite a while now, um, but for he's languishing down in the points. Uh, drivers with far less experience at this level are running away with it effectively. Um, and while he is totally on top of his uh, rookie teammate uh, Gil Hermes Samaya. He's uh, the Campos outfit definitely doesn't seem to be um, on on top of things at the moment. Now, this is another thing that I feel str- quite strongly about because I do believe that this year is a complete and utter reset for Formula Two. Um, now, it was, uh, some of the other drivers who are very experienced have, told, have come out and said that they feel like complete rookies this year um, because of the changes made with with the tyres and. And, and how that changes everything. So I think a lot of this criticism is a, is a bit unfounded, to be honest. Uh, and there have been changes with, with, within Campos behind the scenes as well over the winter, and I don't think that's been in the correct direction. So it's obviously going to make the, the, the drivers look a lot worse than what they actually are. Um, is Jack Aitken a terrible racing driver? Absolutely not. Do I think is going to make it to Formula One? I think it's going to be a bit of a stretch, um, especially with Tickton perhaps uh, jumping up the, the the Williams food chain, if you will. So I'll bring Josh in here and ask for his comments as well. Tickton for me is the brightest prospect in the, the Williams Driver Academy. Um, but yeah, Jack Aitken is, is still a very good driver. He's still the same driver he was last year. Um, the problem is at Campos, you know, you, you mentioned Samaya, you know, that's a yardstick that we have to measure Aitken against. There's not really a competitive teammate to sort of compare him against. So I think it is very much a struggle on Campos's part. Um, 
you know, Aitken did a really good job in qualifying at Silverstone, but just kind of went backwards. So, yeah, I do feel for him. But look at Luca Giotto as well, who's having quite a difficult year. Apart from that, uh, when in Hungary, you know, hasn't really been ideal for him either. So, like you say, uh, Craig, you know, the the experienced guys, some of them are struggling. You know, Giotto, Masashita, Aitken, really, really struggling. Markov, of course, as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I agree that they're not able to use that previous experience and also their respective teams, um, especially Campos, um, seem to be really, really struggling uh, and are just not kind of where uh, the other drivers are. And it's a shame because last year, I think we had them in our top three uh, drivers of the season. This year, you know, unfortunately, I don't think uh, we'll be able to sort of put them up there. Um, but we'll see how he bounces back. He's, he's got the experience and the talent to do so, um, but in such a tight competitive field. Uh, there's no guarantee that this difficult season. Mm. Uh, and just, to, point, uh, just yeah. to touch on Markov, he hasn't scored a single point this year, not one. And this is the driver who finished second in 2017. So it's not like he's suddenly forgotten how to drive uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Bethany, have you got anything to add to that? Um, look, just backing up what, you, what you've just said, these drivers haven't suddenly forgotten how to drive. So there's you can't blame you can't say any one of them is terrible based purely on this year's results maybe they're not adapting to the new um tires as well as others but i don't think that makes them a terrible driver and i think hopefully by the end of the season they can have gotten that back under control and have pick up some good results to kind of give them that confidence boost Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, now, one driver who was definitely full of confidence throughout the weekend um, has to have been Callum Eilert, who was absolutely <laughs> magnificent, um, I, I thought, in the races. But his his drives went completely, well, pretty much unrewarded, unfortunately. He was, um, he, he stalled on the grid from, from second place in the feature race, only to climb back up well into the points uh in that in that feature race and then was on course to to challenge Tickton for the win in in the sprint before spinning off at Vale uh and, and club and bringing out basically the, the safety car that um changed a little bit well changed the the complexion of the of the sprint race a little bit so what what do we make of Eilat's efforts this weekend because I, I thought he, he was really very well he was really unlucky to come away with just only only a couple of points and not cut you know not come away with at least one podium uh and let's start with bethany on this one because i know you, you like talking about callum a lot if if you got points for pure determination he'd be winning the championship by now he's if if we ever thought that obviously callum got the first win of the season but he's kind of like middled and has really Everyone's hyped about his teammate. He's kind of he's up against people expecting Joe to do well. So I think maybe after the first round of the season, we were thinking, okay, we're we're not going to see that every round. I think his performance at Silverstone shows that he will be in the championship fight throughout this season. Um, the spin it was his own fault. I believe I've not done a super analysis of it, but just going off watching the race, it looked like it was his own fault. But honestly, 
what he achieves this weekend, the, the drive through the field in the first race, how he was catching Tickfilm in the second race, it was phenomenal. And this is a championship that's going to come down to luck as much as anything else. So I hope if we can just get that luck, luck balanced out and we can get those that sort of performances without a um, stall on the grid, then I think... He's he has a real shot at the championship, which I honestly didn't think, didn't really think he had after Hungary. I thought maybe he had an outside chance at it still, even with second place. He did look, look. He looked to me. He looked at risk of being overtaken by, um, by Lungard and by Joe. Honestly, even though. Those were still behind him in the championship. They looked like they had more momentum. And I think this has really swung the momentum back in Eilat's favour. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and Josh, what do you make of it? A big missed opportunity, unfortunately. You know, this Robert Schwartzman, Pramer, absolutely woeful this uh, this weekend. You're not going to get that many times this year. This may be the only weekend where, where Schwartzman doesn't score. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, no one was around to take advantage, really, uh, which, which was a shame. You know, I, I lot should have come away with a championship lead. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for him. Um, agree on, on Saturday, apart from the stall. Fantastic drive. He said he also had a, a damaged car as well. So to take it from the pit lane to fifth uh, was incredible. Yeah, and then the spin, unfortunately, just using a, a bit too much curb, uh, spun the car and across the error, really, he would have come away with the, the points lead. So... A big opportunity missed, but I agree with Bethany. You know, he is looking pretty good in terms of the championship. He just needs to get it together. And the good thing for him is that the you know we're at Silverstone again this this up, up and coming weekend. So all he needs to do is put it right. Uh, he looked like more or less the fastest driver this weekend. Um, so if he can come away with you know at least uh, thirty points from next weekend, uh, then he will look. I think. Uh, you know, pretty good for this championship to be right in the fight. Uh, it is really good to see. You know, a costly spin for his teammate as well, Joe, uh, in the sprint race. Uh, mm. Lost, I think, fourth place, I think it was. Uh, fell down to ninth, just outside the points. Uh, so, so not good for the, the Virtuosi guys. We've seen they're so quick, aren't they, this year? Um, but I don't think they've got the results at all. Obviously, Joe was unlucky in that first race of the season. Um, but really, they just haven't been able to maximise the opportunities uh, in the way yeah, that they, yeah, you know, definitely. they probably really should um, now is probably not the time to plug my uh, how Schumacher and Schwartzman brought Prima back to F2 greatness feature uh, that I wrote <laughs> after Hungary. But um, anyway, let's, let's move on to FIA Formula 3. Uh, that was back again this weekend as well, of course. Um, and we had a, we had a brilliant um, and very, very much needed race win, uh, you, you'd have to say, for, for Liam Lawson in, in the Saturday race. And then the the Sunday race um, initially went to Alexander Smoliar, um, only for that to be get, uh, taken away from him and given to David Beckman. Uh, so the first thing I want to touch on is um, going back to like, a little bit with, with Formula 2 and how being with, with the correct team is it's so important. Um, this is something that really applies, um, well, arguably more in FIF3 than than, than in Formula 2 to a degree. Uh, would you agree with that, Josh? This year, uh, only two of the eight races have been won by Prima. 
but yeah, it feels like the dominance is just, you know, as much as last year or maybe just a little bit less. You know, they are still there and they are always there in the top 10. The three of the cars are just sort of always moving forward. Um, so it is so difficult for the other teams to to get a proper win or get any kind of championship momentum against them. Look at Lawson's win on the Saturday, you know, brilliant move on Sargent. But Piastri was probably the faster driver. Lawson did a fantastic job to keep Piastri at bay, you know, sending him over the curb and, and airborne briefly. You know, Piastri kept his foot stuck in um, as they battled around the final couple of corners. Um, but really, you know, without those couple of safety cars at the end of the first race, I kind of doubt Lawson would have been able to hang on. Uh, the Pramers look much faster, especially uh, Piastri. So, yeah, um, team-wise, it is really difficult, you know, um, for a lot of the guys. But I think the biggest example this year is, you know, Truce. They've got Red Bull Junior, Igor Fraga, who, you know, we saw in the Toyota Racing Series uh, beat Liam Lawson um, to the title in, in brilliant fashion, was brilliant in Formula Regional last year, along with his, you know, this year's teammate, David Schumacher, as well, who was also great against Pramer in, in Formula Regional. But both of them are without a single point. Uh, Roman Sanek as well, who, who jumped in last minute. We know he's really quick. has shown flashes of speed. But, you know, the three of them have got no points in that. They're certainly a lot better than that. So it is difficult to judge this year's field. Um, Premier do look very strong. Um, but at least the likes of Lawson can fight. Unfortunately, the guys right at the back, um, with the likes of Drew, are really struggling. And, yeah, it is difficult. And I'm not sure what we can really do. Um, but, yeah, what, what did you make of that? The, the yeah, spread between the, the teams definitely uh, shaping up that way. Yeah, Bethany, anyway. Um, I don't think Prima would look half as dominant if arch drivers didn't keep getting torpedoed when they start on pole. So I do think that's a factor. I think Arch should Arch should definitely have more points. ART, sorry, should definitely have more points than they do. But yeah, I think being with the right team, being with Prima, is definitely going to put you on the front foot and I just pretty much agree with everything Josh said we it's uh, I got into a conversation over the weekend about whether or not teams win teams matter in F3 and F2 and I just I just think you only have to look at the results and it's obviously not just Prima getting the pick of the best drivers why would Renault put their driver in Prima if it wasn't the best team for him pretty much mm. that's all I have to add yeah yeah definitely uh, I do want to touch on on driving standards because uh, Smoldyar's win was, was taken away from him eventually uh, uh, it's very very difficult to sort of, to judge it did not want to have been um, a driving steward uh, or race race steward this weekend and have to uh, to give that call, but he, he was almost certainly weaving down down the hangar straight and making life very very difficult um, for, for the cars behind. So just one word answers: Were they right or were they wrong to take away the win from Smolly Art Josh? <laughs> okay, and Bethany. Yes. Oh. Hard, but yes. Okie doke. Um, yeah. It was because it was unnecessary. You know, it was unnecessary. That was the thing. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me whether or not he broke the rules or whether he should have got a penalty or not. You know, why did he do it? He, I, he said after the race, I don't think it really helps 
but I was just trying anything I could to not let David get close to me. So if he doesn't think it helps, why does he do it? You know, it was that kind of thing is just going to get you a penalty. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it did. So it's just an unnecessary risk. And like Bethany said, ART have thrown away an, or a lot of it down to bad luck. So many podiums and win this, wins this year, it's ridiculous, especially with Fernandez and Smoiler. It's, uh, yeah, they've definitely broken a few um, mirrors. I Bethany, think go ahead. Obviously, the wording of it is whether he was defending or not. And it, like it did seem that like he was just trying to break the toe, but he was warned about it from the team. He was warned about it from the stewards. If you're told not to do something by two different people and you keep on doing it, especially if you don't think it's going to work, then maybe you deserve a penalty. That's that's the reason. If he didn't get that warning from the stewards, then no, but he did. So when you're told not to do something, don't do it. Yeah. Uh... I, I'm definitely I'm I'm inclined to agree with all that. Um, it, it is just a case of whether it was perceived as weaving or not, and the stewards obviously perceived it as weaving. So I don't think there are too many arguments in that regard. I do want to touch on Piastri a little bit because he does start. It's starting to seem like he is beginning to almost stealth his way to the championship. And he was asked about this in in the press conference, and he doesn't really want to be the sort of driver that just quietly snatches the championship away without taking too many headlines across the season. Uh, he'd rather do it just by, you know, winning races. But uh, he, he has won at least once already this season. Um, but he is just quietly picking up the points and giving himself a, a, a better lead in the championship while others are, um, are throwing away uh, bigger results. So do we think that should Piastri be looking more at championship picture or should he be focusing on race wins? Um, we'll start with Bethany on this one. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many race wins you have under your belt. It's how many points you got. And so, and every single junior driver will, will always tell you, oh, I'm thinking about points. Points mean the results points are what's going to give me the championship if it's a choice between a risky second and a safe third I'll keep a safe third obviously every driver wants to win but I don't I think Piastri's Piastri's got experience in these long championships where you play it safe and he's doing well obviously he wants the headlines headlines are good for getting eyes on him headlines are good for sponsors but at the end of the day if he wins a championship by finishing fourth every round then he's the FIA F3 champion and that's not we have we've had champions that win every round and people still say he's not that good so it doesn't to me it doesn't matter whether you win every round or if you win two races if you win the championship you win the championship Always remember the time that Esteban Ocon won uh, the GP3 championship with nine second places in succession, I believe it was, or, or something crazy like that. Uh, Josh, what do you make of Piastri and, and also of his relationship with DRS? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking actually about Esteban Ocon. So I was just about to mention that, you know, it's, it's very, very re reminiscent, isn't it? Um, but yeah, for me, Piastri is, you know, 
the quickest driver at least has the quickest package that's for sure you look at silverstone he was definitely the quickest driver on on saturday so i don't think he has to change a single thing about his approach he's doing just fine you know like you say fuji rs failures not the the best relationship you probably get out of that one um but he's he's definitely doing fine you know he's he's gonna win this championship i'm pretty certain uh so we just carry on the way he is he'll definitely pick up a couple more wins and um yeah we'll progress mm-hmm. on well, we'll just career. touch on ben barnico as well who made his uh fia free debut this weekend uh finishing uh 12th in in the second race which was which is higher than than the previous in- incumbent Inam ahmed managed to achieve uh which was only 14th so uh that's a that's a solid life to well solid start to life in fia free for ben barnico uh let's move on to um other championships around 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 the globe and around Europe and we'll start uh well we'll continue with um with Britain and we'll move on to uh British Formula Three and British Formula Four. And uh, I want to bring Bethany in for this one. So Josh you can sit and take a little bit of a rest and uh let's talk about British F3 first, Bethany. Um just generally talk about the, the weekend. Frederick Vesti, not Frederick Vesti his name's Frederick. Frederick Bessie didn't even show up, Kaelan and he Frederick. no. Um, Kaylon Frederick is just—he's the one to beat this year, based on one one round. He was—he was super fast in race one. He won on the track, but then he got a penalty for staff infringement. As did Louis Foster. So the win went to second-year driver Kian Jewett. Then. He was really fast in the second, in the third and fourth races of the weekend. He started on pole because of his um, like I think it's average fastest lap for the final race. Won that. I don't think he knew other people showed up for those two races. He's um, he just had a really good weekend. Um, Louis Foster started off well. He got poles. But um, I don't. Uh, he he really struggled to get off the line when he was on pole. So both times he fell back behind. Frederick couldn't keep up with him. Screwed up starts and got um, got penalties for it. So I think Foster has good qualifying pace, not so good race pace. Um, a fantastic um, first win for Piers Pryor in the reverse grid race, but I think it showed that it was really hard to overtake this weekend. So that's going to be something to watch going forward. I don't know whether it was just Autumn Park and it being stupid hot or whether or not that's something that we're going, that the drivers are going to have to find their way around throughout the season. So those, those are the two things. Kaelin Frederick is untouchable and it's hard to overtake. I was going to ask, do you think that um, it's starting to look uh, pretty ominous uh, or not? But I think you answered that straight away. Uh, So in that case, let's move on to British Formula 4. From the way that I see it, um, I was only able to catch one of the races myself, but the way that I see it, the the title picture seems very open straight away. Uh, do, Do you agree with that? And can you also explain what happened in race two? Um, which seemed to be quite eventful. Yeah, good. Give me two seconds because I've completely forgotten what happened in race two. But yeah, it was the 
British Formula 4 is always a really open championship. The drivers who we were expecting to do well did well. Some of the drivers we maybe weren't expecting to do quite as well also did well. Uh, it's way too, I'd say it's way too early to um, say um, whether or not we've, we've, um, I think it's way too early to say we've seen the champion win a race already because F, because F4 is one of those, F4 is one of those races where a driver can start off nowhere for the first couple of rounds and then by the end of the season he's on the top step of the podium more often than not so i i really think um it's too early to rule out um the drivers who didn't get a win and it's too early to rule out mansell for example but yeah it's um it was it's a really open championship. Like I said, the drivers who we expected to do well did did well, and the drivers we, um, I don't think there were any real surprises. Maybe Alex Connor in the opening race, I didn't have him down for a race win for sure. So, um, yeah, that's that. The overview of the championship. I think I've got the correct um, page for race two. It. I, I'm going to have a bit of a rant now, but I think Toka really under shortchanged F4, shortchanged the um, junior champion, the um, support series. Sorry, I'm trying to get my brain to work. I think Toka really shortchanged the support series. Obviously, it was very last minute they, that they announced that they wouldn't have fans at the race. So, Basically, the only way anyone could watch any of the support series was if they were on, if they were started after the first BTCC race of the weekend, and that meant that a lot of the series didn't get TV coverage for two of their three races. British Formula Four got TV coverage for two races; one of them was delayed. There was no track commentary because obviously there's nobody at the track to hear the track commentary. But you can what you can listen to commentary online, and there was no there was no commentary online. So really, we were relying on the few people who were at the track to really um, publicise those first two races. And I think it's really bad, especially this early in their career. They need those sponsors, and they need the, and the sponsors need to see that they're getting the publicity. And they've just not, they just didn't get it this weekend. Um, it's the first weekend of them doing this, so there's every chance that this will improve at Brands Hatch next weekend. But if it doesn't improve, then I really worry about the drivers by the end of the season struggling drivers drivers in British Formula 4 are going to struggle for funding anyway this is going to put them at even more of a disadvantage because they're missing half the publicity that they would get through sponsorship so that that's my rant and 
uh, and it's a, it's a real shame we didn't get any commentary or anything because it was it race two was a mental race and the drivers Alex Connor and Roberto Faria they started at the front of the grid they took themselves out straight away we were expecting Luke Browning to come through and do something good he got grass in he went wide and got grass in his engine in his engine cooling place that I don't know the words for so he was out of the race Zachary Sullivan was fantastic he he should have got more competition from those behind him than he did but it was just a typical British Formula 4 race in that everybody kind of um, they didn't forget how to drive but they kind of let it all loose for one race so it wasn't an easy win for Sullivan but it was a it was easier than it could have been because everyone took each other out, <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked for a very long time now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry, you get a little bit of a break now whilst I bring Josh in to talk about um, a bunch of Formula Regional Championships. Um, but yeah, I, I fully agree with um, with the points that you brought up about, about TV coverage and stuff like that. Is it? absolutely crucial for a, a lot of um drivers in a lot of categories who i do believe who i do fear will will feel uh, quite shortchanged because the, you know touring car touring car events are that well attended that the the uk government have banned people from attending them at the, in the midst of a pandemic um so that, that says a lot about how how um you know the british public uh, especially uh, sees touring car racing and the support series. A lot of the reason why people go to uh, watch touring cars is because you got such a fantastic bill throughout the whole um, weekend. So it is a real shame for them, I think. Um, but I do want to bring Josh in. Um, we're going to talk about Formula Regional Europe. Um, it was its first weekend. Uh, they raced around Mizano. And predictably, Prima seemed to be taking, well, ju- just winning everything. Um, but a couple of uh, bigger names sort of seem to be struggling a little bit. Um, the, the One of the Prima cars, Jamie Chadwick, um, did take a podium, but her race pace was pretty um, pretty much nowhere in comparison to her teammates. And, and Yuri Vips, who pulled a rather desperate move on, on the first lap of the race, and um, didn't seem able to to challenge the Prima for for wins at all. Uh, so, so what did you make of the first weekend of uh, uh, Formula Regional Europe, Josh? Uh, well, to put it bluntly, it was pretty <laughs> awful. Um, I think you know I'm not going to mince my words on this because there was an 11 car field where a couple of the guys at the back were basically club racers or completely out of their depth, so they barely count. Um, at the front, like you said, you basically had a class of one um, that was Prima. Uh, and basically, if you weren't a Prima, you didn't really have much chance of, you know, barely getting on the podium, let alone um, getting a win. Um, there was an awful, awful commentary, which <laughs> unfortunately returned for another year, which just makes the whole event unbearable. You know, like Bethany said about TV coverage, it's very important. And it's very important if you do broadcast your championship to get someone who does not make you want to you know, tear your eyes out or is preferably <laughs> yeah it is definitely is <laughs> um which is yeah not ideal um so the whole presentation of the championship you know does need a lot of work and what is frustrating about this is because you know the whole uh, essence of the championship was to sort of re- replace or kill off Eurocup basically 
when I think we've seen this year but and last year and, and every other year that you know Eurocup is doing a fine job and doesn't need to be replaced so yeah anyway talking about the actual weekend uh obviously race one was defined by a, a crash between you know Leclerc and, and Petkoff at the start you then had you know Vips uh, challenging Jamie Chadwick for for a podium and then Vips spun out uh and then at the front Oliver Rasmussen won Leclerc had taken pole for all three races he converted race two pole to a win to his first win in the championship. Petkoff beat him in uh, in race three, so that means that three of the Premier drivers, you know, took the win, uh, one win each. In terms of their fight, it looks you know pretty good. Leclerc versus Petkoff, you know, will be exciting to watch. But it's basically a two driver field. Uh, you know, Yuri Vips had a, a pretty miserable opening weekend. A lot of shades of Tickton's Asian Formula Three uh, championship, which we referenced earlier. Um, and it is disappointing because we know how talented Vips is. It would be nice to actually see him going up against Leclerc and Petikoff in, you know, equal machinery. But, you know, that's not the case. Patrick Plasma, I thought, did a good job. He got a second place and, you know, he was always pretty good in, in Europe and British Formula 4. So that's not too much of a surprise. Uh, I completely agree with Craig. You know, Jamie Chadwick's pace, unfortunately, wasn't great. Pre-season testing was a perfect indicator, really, of this season. It, it played out more or less how pre-season testing went, apart from, unfortunately, Vips didn't quite have as much pace. So... Yeah, uh, interesting <laughs> weekend, I guess. Uh, hopes for the rest of the season. You know, it would be nice to see this private Prima battle. Um, and hopefully Vips will be more competitive. I do have faith he will be at future rounds. Um, and we really, really need him to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it would be nice to see more than two cars fight for the championship, I think, especially in a, in a field that's so uh, lacking in depth, if you, if, if you will, in terms of numbers. Uh such as Formula Regional Europe, um, which, which is a real shame as well, because you know the, the FIA has um, you know really big this up. When you look at the, the the number of super license points it's awarding to to the champion and, and all the drivers and so forth, it's rated higher than um, effectively an equal championship in, in Formula Renault Euro Cup um, and a few others as well. So it's really really important that. Um, this championship does um, make progress. Um, another Formula Regional championship that got underway and one you might not be so familiar with is Formula Regional Japan. Oh, Josh, I, I hope you um, know about this because I don't. Um, but just checking through sort of the results and the reports we've, we've had from this weekend, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Senna Sakaguchi and whether you know he's starting to um run away with the with the title um already yeah pretty dominant performance from him took victory in all three races this weekend uh another example unfortunately of a, a regional formula three series you know not working uh in japan you know unfortunately it's like a mix of very old drivers you know not who haven't been able to get into super gt or super formula and then some youngsters who will kind of struggle and yeah, just again, sort of a, a disappointing, underwhelming series that I don't have much motivation to talk about. Unfortunately, I I also had not heard of this championship before this weekend. Uh, it's supposed to be a sort of rival to to Super Formula Lights, and it's just an unnecessary addition to the already crowded, uh, you know, uh, single seater landscape. Uh, I get why why it was created, but for me, it's kind of failed at at birth. Unfortunately, so yeah, uh, Sakaguchi, you know drove well it'll be, it'll be i think more interesting to see what he does in super formula lights this year uh you kanamaru who raced back in the you know uh, formula Renault 3.5 days is here and he, he's second in the championship after the weekend so yeah uh 
I, I was going to say interesting weekend, but to be honest, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, congrats to the Sakaguchi. We'll see what yeah, happens. Uh, yeah, and for, for fans of um, of drivers with uh, who are a bit more, what, what's the term I'm looking for? Experience in terms of life, if you will. Uh, everyone's favourite, Spradic Macau GP, uh, backmarker Dragon is taking part in that championship as well, just to, just for good measure. He did come he seven. He came seventh in the race too. That shows how <laughs> terrible the field is. <laughs> yeah. Carry anyway, on. definitely. I want to bring you back in because we've got a, another Formula Regional Championship to talk about. And um, it's another one that seems to be dominated by one driver. And that's Formula Regional Americas. And um, that, that championship's really getting um, quite a few rounds in now. Uh, they've had eight races. And all eight of them has been won by Linus Lundvisk. Uh, how impressive is this uh, run in particular, or is the is there a lack of um, depth in that field as well that that makes his um, his performances look a little bit better than what they actually are? Well, um, from the regional America, um, it has an advantage over Europe and Japan in that. The championship that a lot of the drivers were going to be competing in got cancelled. So I don't think that the depth of talent in the field is as bad as in other series. I just want to pick up very briefly. um, The FIA is really pushing from the regional European championship, but I don't think it even qualifies for super license points. Um, you're supposed to have uh, at least 12 drivers compete at any event, and there were 11 drivers this weekend. And you're supposed to have a minimum of 16 drivers across the season to meet the criteria for four points. And obviously, we didn't, we, we've not got that so far, and we might not get that going forward. Vips um, isn't planning on doing the whole season. I think he wants to go back to Japan as possible. And you can see why, because He's not going to win the championship because Prima is dominating it, and apparently now points aren't. He's not going to get the full amount of points as he could. Um, America's is completely different for that. We've got a good field, but Lundqvist is just completely running away with the championship. I I don't know why you'd bother showing up for the second half of the year unless you were Lundqvist. So <laughs> I think Lundqvist could not show up and still win the championship. So it's it is good racing um most of the time it it actually made me optimistic that formula european championship wouldn't be that or so good at the start of the season but um but obviously that's not carried over to europe uh, there are some of the drivers who have done stuff josh carr um he was promoted from us formula 4 last year and he's Obviously, he's not touching Lundqvist, but he's still doing quite well and in a decent performance. So that bodes well for next year if, if he carries on, or even if he's not in Formula Regional Americas next year, it'll bode well for him going forward. Um, I worry about Americas next year just because all the other championships are likely to be going on, and I think it will be neglected by many drivers because... It doesn't have that um, heritage behind it. Um, I understand why the FIA have done what they've done, and in theory it's a good idea, but they've put these championships where they're not needed. We've already got a FRAC-level race um, series in America. We've already got a FRAC uh, level in Europe, and 
Japan doesn't have a silly word that I can use, but they've they've already got one of those that level series there as well. So the I understand what the FI are doing, but they're doing it in places where it's not needed. It's needed in South America. It's needed more in Central Asia, um, and we've not got it. And it just it just reeks of the FIA trying to own everything when obviously competition of different championships is going to be good because that's how you get the best championships by having competing ones and that's why Formula 4 levels are so fantastic because we've got so many um, national Formula 4 championships that drivers can pick between so um, yeah that's my rant Um, FRAC not as bad as FRAC but not going to be great going forward I think you need to start putting some of these rants down into into words, to be honest, yeah. and, and having them as features on FormulaScout.com because uh, all the points you're bringing up are very, very valid, um, and I, I totally agree with them. Uh, just sort of looking at um, Formula Regional America's uh, bill, I think the biggest problem that they've got is that they're not supporting anything that's particularly big. Yeah. Um, the thing is, with with um, with the road to Indy, it's on the IndyCar support bill, which which is totally logical. Um, they have a couple of standalone events as well every now and then, um, such as they did this weekend. But we'll touch on that um, later. But um, what what something like Formula Regional Americas needs to do is it needs to be on the support bill of something, say like IMSA, for example, mm. where you then where you then have a direct feature into a bigger category. Where you know, and you have teams and and team managers and so forth looking at the support series, looking at the young drivers and going, mm, "Let's get him testing um, in our car, and perhaps getting um, you know factory deal with factory deals with um, some of the big uh, car manufacturers around the globe and get paid drives, which is essentially what drivers want at the end of mm-hmm. the day." Um, so you do bring up uh, some very, very valid points there. Uh, you did mention uh, USF4 champion Josh Carr. Uh, let's talk about the championship that you did come from um, last season, uh, which he won. Uh, just touch on USF4 a little bit. They had a, they had a weekend that wasn't dominated by one driver um, uh, with, with three different race winners across three races. But do you think the, the title picture is starting to take um, take shape? Yeah, it's going to be hard to tackle Hunter Yaney at this point. He did have some um, real competition this uh, weekend. In he was fighting for first in the in the he was fighting for the lead in the opening race of the season. He had a he had a penalty from an incident in in free practice so he didn't start on pole where he was supposed to start but he came forward naturally and was fighting for the race win but he didn't get it that went to jose blanco and um and again he had um a just a second um yeah again he had um competition for the win in the third race of the champion, third race of the weekend, with Spike Holbecker. Um, Spike really pushed him and managed to get the victory. Yini came forward, came through and got the um, 
got the win from sorry I've, I've mixed up my races the jose blanco came through for the second race and won and he but he was challenging in the first race that got um a um he had a crash so he couldn't so he obviously didn't win that but spike yeah was challenging for race three race four hunter yane just came and won it uh, i think cole becker was somewhat close but not really close enough to challenge I think it's too late in the season for these drivers to really put up much of a much of a championship challenge. If this if we had this sort of level at the beginning of the season, then maybe, but obviously we didn't. So um yeah, Hunty Ainey should run away with it, but he's at risk of um being shown up in the final part final couple of races and which is good for fa- good for fans and good for the drivers and good for Hunter Yaney as well. He, uh, it's always going to be good to have proper competition because you don't really want to go into the next stage of your career and then suddenly have never raced, really raced against anyone. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good championship, basically. And hopefully next year Yaney gets something better than uh dismal fuck season <laughs> yes uh anyway josh i want to bring you back in because we'll we'll change over from from the united states and we'll return back to europe and uh the, probably the two two other biggest uh formula four series that got underway this weekend and we'll start with um uh adac formula four in, in germany um can you talk a little bit about that um a, a, a very small field but um there's some quite strong showings from, from some of the drivers this weekend. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of talent at the top, um, that's for sure. You know, Johnny Edgar was probably the star of the weekend, uh, won the first two races, probably should have won the third race. You know, rain came down, the Van and Sport uh, racing drivers, Edgar and, and Crawford, came into the pits, and then the session was red flagged. So it was uh, really, really un- unlucky for them. Um, Edgar was second at that point and would have probably overtaken reverse grid um also to elias Sepin, Sepinen, um who actually hang on hung on for his uh first one in the championship so yeah definitely uh i think we said before the season it would be sort of edgar versus crawford and uh it's looking you know pretty much that way crawford was was on pole for the two races but went a little bit backwards but yeah edgar and crawford had a, a really nice duel in in race two um on track and i think we'll see uh plenty more of that this season but at the moment it's looking like john edgar uh, is the mm-hmm. man to be and uh re- returning back to interesting commentary we had italian f4 as well get, uh, get back under underway this weekend uh gabrielli mini was on pole for each of the races uh but it wasn't quite uh going Premier's way every time can you explain why that was josh yeah, I mean, Francesco Pizzi basically was a big fawn in their side um, right from practice, really. He, he did a great job um, to also win, win the final race and get podiums in the first um, couple of races. Um, you know, Mini, uh, I think, was lights to flag victory, wasn't it, in the, in the first race, which was really impressive um, on his you know car racing debut as well. So, you know, really good stuff from him. Uh, Motorsport Games gold medalist uh, Andrea Rossa. Uh, won the second race uh, again with a with a good start. Uh, Mini um, had a bad one, 
So, uh, you know, good for Rosso as well. He's looking he's looking pretty quick and, and Pitsy, you know. Um again, apologies for all the pronunciations. Um held off Mini very well to uh to take the the final race win and, and come away uh, from the weekend with the championship lead. And it and it really does look like it will be a, a good championship fight in in Italian Formula Four. Um, you know, Philip uh Ogran as well, the Romanian, uh was brilliant as well. A couple of podiums for him. He leaves uh, in third place. Uh, and and the other Prima drivers, you know, were, were not on the same level as, as Mini. Uh, you know, go back. Uh, um was, you know, third in the final race. Um, Montoya uh, wasn't brilliant. Uh, Borta Leto, Borta Leto from from Brazil. Oh, no, from Brazil. That, Josh. <laughs> Jamie C. Oh uh, yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't great either. So uh, yeah, an interesting fight in progress. Um, you know, Prima have always been strong in, in Formula 4, but uh, you do definitely have a chance of winning the title in the other team. So, uh, yeah, we're in for a, a really good fight this season. Uh, Pitsy, first blood to him, but Mini, you know, hot on his heels, and uh, I'm sure the other Prima drivers as well will be back stronger uh, next time. Mm -hmm. at uh, let's just not start calling anyone Little Leclerc or anything like that. Oh, um, God. <laughs> we have so many adjectives this weekend in that commentary. Uh it was it was definitely interesting to say the least um let's move back move back over and uh, move back over to the states and let's touch on the road to indy a little bit because they had their races uh, during the week which was um different uh they had a, a couple of rounds at mid ohio they did a triple header for each of road to, uh, for indy pro 2000 and for usf 2000 um they were scheduled to be running at mid ohio again this weekend but that has since been postponed even though the the cars are already there and ready to go. So um, it's a bit of a shame for them, but hopefully they can squeeze that round in later in the season. Uh, touching on the, the racing itself, uh, Stingray Rob finally got his uh, first uh, Indy Pro 2000 win or Pro Mazda win, if you will, if you want to go back that far. Um, and that puts him just one point behind um, a rather surprising name at the top, um, in Devlin Di Francesco, um, because Di Francesco is actually yet to win a race this season, which I, I find is quite surprising. Um, but Daniel Frost, who was supposed to be in Indy Lights this season, as well as uh, Artem Petrov and Braden Eves, they're all right in there as well. So that, that championship is really starting to become quite interesting. Um, and obviously, you got a scholarship um, for. Uh, Indy Lights in 2021 on on the line, so it's very very important, and quite a few uh, quite a few good drivers are gonna gonna miss out um, ultimately in the end. Um, in USF 2000, Christian Rasmussen, who we tipped for for good things this year, made it five out of five, so that, that's starting to turn into a bit of a, a demolition. Uh, it's not too dissimilar to what we've seen in Formula Regional Americas. Um, I think that will do for for Road to Indy. Um, the, the next round will be uh, hopefully at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway, um, kind of as a as a support to to the Indy Five Hundred. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, we're we're going to have a lot to cover again this weekend, so we're going to need even more <laughs> caffeine. Um, we've got Euro Formula Open back as well this weekend, which um, I'm sure Elliot would love to to be talking about, but he's busy. So keep an eye out on, on formulascout.com for, for a, a very good preview feature from him. 
uh, we've got plenty more features that we need to to write up as well, mm. um, and will be on the website. Hopefully, Bethany can can translate some of her rants into, <laughs> into some nice features uh, and and so forth. Um, but that is all from us for now. Hopefully, unless Josh or Bethany have got anything else to add, Josh. <laughs> Just to say that Elliot's in the paddock, I think for for you know Hungaroring Euro Formula Open season opener, so. Definitely check out formulascout.com for, I think, the first time any of us have been in the paddock, but I think this year. Um, uh, so, yeah. yeah, I believe so. First day um, the media, yeah. <laughs> check it yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. So I'm sure Elliot is enjoying getting his uh, his coronavirus swabs and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Bethany, have you got anything else to add? No, if anybody wants to send me caffeine, though, I'd, that'd be much appreciated. Just get a solid caffeine capsules. There's barely anything on next weekend. There's like there's oh, only, only nine, nine championships as me, oh. so it's not. <laughs> well, maybe not. maybe less actually. So it can be easy. But, uh, Great. Um, we, we do probably need to have a bias a coffee button on the on the website, I reckon. Um, but but that is all from us for now. Um, we'll be back next week with a with another Formula Scout podcast, which will hopefully be. Uh, well, we won't have as many championships to talk about. But until next time, that is all from us. And see you next week for another Formula Scout podcast. Bye.